Kizzy's Friday Game Changers, taking your business to the next level. Coming up on Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Commitment is doing the thing you said you would do long after the mood you set it in has left you. Hi, my name's Julian Leach. I'm co-founder and CEO at Parcel Point, and my Friday would not be complete without Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Hi, this is Storm McGrewer, digital marketing speaker, author and trainer and founder of Business Consult Digital Academy. Now, I've been in business for 20 years and I can honestly say that my biggest shift was when I really understood my customer. And this may sound like really, really simple advice, but when I started honing in on my target customer, my ideal customer, and really concentrating on what the immediate problems were, the burning concerns and their key focus, that's when I started to really make a shift and revolutionize the success of my own business. So simple as it is, I can assure you that many business owners and marketers don't put this into practice at the beginning. So this big shift was the way that I actually marketed. And it was all about building rapport and relationships. And instead of trying to market the whole business and actually put a proposition out there about the product or service, it was actually about stopping selling. And it was about finding out from the customer what was the issue, the, the, the burning concern that they needed solving at that time? And providing a solution. So the sorts of content that we started creating were added value, tips, um, branded content that was around the, the subject matter. And this is when we really started to get the connection, the engagement and the interaction. So my best advice is find out who your ideal customer is really focus on what is the, the demand there for the product and service in terms of what is their pain or problem and using tools like Google to actually assess what people are searching for, matching and constructing and creating content that helps solve or provide advice around that situation will really help establish your business and nurture that person through to ultimately becoming a paying customer. Welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers with your host Kizzy Nkwacha. A show for innovators and motivators, people just like you. Kizzy is the publisher of Business Game Changer magazine, editor of the successful Woman in Business book series and the best-selling Every Entrepreneur's Guide series. Every week, Kizzy and his guests provide you with the tools you need to take your game-changing business to the next level. Listen, learn and innovate. Now meet your host, your mentor and your fellow game changer, Kizzy Nkwacha. Hello and welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. My next guest, Jamie Martin, has built a string of successful businesses starting at 13 with his own car valet service, which he later sold to National Car Cleaning Company for £82,000. He was just 17 at the time. Most recently, he's been appointed CEO of Ideal Shopping Direct and he's already making his mark with the company announcing a very healthy 6.5% rise in turnover. In just a few minutes, we're going to find out what it takes to run a successful home shopping channel. Take the phone off the hook, find yourself a nice comfortable chair because it's Friday. I'm Kizzy and this is Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Welcome to the show. At the end of last year, Jamie Martin was appointed CEO of Ideal Shopping Direct. He's joined the company at a time when TV shopping is experiencing something of a resurgence. But according to all experts, it faces a challenge in attracting a new tech-savvy younger audience. Jamie, it's great to have you with me. Thanks for having us, Gizzy. Nice to be here. Thank you. Listen, Jamie, before we dive into the challenges and opportunities facing TV shopping, let's talk a little bit about you. Now, You've had what I would consider a pretty amazing career. Where's my paperwork? Hold on. Uh, here we are. It's a CEO of uh, Hokanda Limited, non-executive director of IPTV Brands Limited. And are you still running Create and Craft? Yeah, so Create and Craft's part of Ideal Shopping Direct. We've got uh, Ideal World and Create and Craft and a few other businesses. Uh, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add that to my list. And, and now, of course, CEO of Ideal Shopping Direct. Wow, you have been busy. 
Jamie, tell me, when did this entrepreneurial spirit start for you? Well, when I was very young, um, sort of from about eight, nine years old, I just really had a wonder about how things got done and, and how things, you know, happened in a practical sense. And my father used to have CEOs and FDs of businesses come over to the house, uh, you know, for Sunday lunch. And I just used to ask a lot of questions. And uh, and then that, that led to, you know, opportunities. And I've always felt that if, you know, if, if you want to find out sort of where you'll be in five years time, go and ask someone who's five years down the road ahead of you. And this, this idea of being an entrepreneur, I mean, at 17, you don't find many kids uh, running their own business. Um, so you actually did start a car valet company all by yourself. Yeah, so so I, I, I used to live in Chigwell in Essex, which is a bit, it's where, where birds of a feather was set and everyone had nice cars. And uh, I had, a, I have and still, ha- I had and still have a passion for cars. Um, I, I motor race in my spare time and um, I had this desire to go and see everyone's cars so I thought the best way to do that would be to offer to clean them and so it started off as the, you know the, the boy with the sponge and the bucket going around cleaning people's cars when I was 13 and then that developed into a more professional outfit where I um, you know it, where, where, where I basically had a little yard where I'd take cars and do, do more extensive stuff and then um, because the people I was dealing with were all captains of industry, I kind of realized that they had the key to bigger things. So I went and put a suit on and went and spoke to um, some large estate agency owners at that time who had fleets. And I ended up pitching them by saying, look, you know, you're getting me to clean your cars when they're changing employees or when you're going to dispose of them at auction. Why don't you let me do the whole thing? And any, anything I get you above the, the book value, you share a percentage with me. And so I, I then got into, I mean, I was, only six, I, was, I was only 16. I couldn't even drive the cars at the time. And I got into uh, fleet disposal where I would organize having the cars um, put into a more serviceable state, you know, broken wing mirrors, scratches, get them all fixed, clean them up. And by doing that and putting them in the auction, they, they achieved a higher value. But at the same time, you get to know the auction houses and where your car's positioned in the auction house can have a, an effect on how much you get for it. So um, there was lots of different things like that. And, and the business, you know, uh, started to flourish. But really, it came from a passion for cars. And I think that, you know, it, it, you meet people in life and you can pretty much tell, or certainly I can, those that are happy doing what they're doing and those that are not. And I think that, you know, any, any profession or vocation, you really need to have a, a like and a passion for it to to be believable. And then, you know, I, you know, I would always say, you know, if you really enjoy what you're doing, you never work a day in your life. Let's go back to those earlier years. And um, I'm going to go for a, a two for one deal here. I'm going to ask you two questions in one. What were the high points? of starting your own business during those early years? And what, if any, if you can recall, what, if any, any were the low points? Um, well, you know, any entrepreneur, they'll always tell you about their successes, never say about the failures. Um, uh, the, I suppose the high point was um, having a bit more money in my pocket than other people and having a lot more options than other people. I didn't see the world as somewhere where I had to um, go and find an opportunity. I saw it somewhere as where I was taking opportunities to others that they needed. Um, quite, quite, quite a different perspective. Um, uh, low points when I was younger, um, not too many. Um, didn't have too many low points. Um, I mean, once I sold that business, I I went to work for uh, a film company in Los Angeles called Motion Picture Corporation of America, and I walked straight onto the set of Dumb and Dumber. Um, and and I and I and I met this guy. You know, I remember them saying, they go, you know, can you go and pick up Jim?" I didn't know Jim was. I didn't even know my way around LA. This is before sat navs. And I got in this Ford Taurus, which is the equivalent of a Ford Mondeo. I'd only just got my license. Drove across LA, and I picked up Jim Carrey from his house, and had a really nice chat with this guy because he was fascinating. I was English, and little did I know what he would become. <laughs> Do you know what I am seeing? A, a biography coming out of all of this when are you going to write it um oh, i mean i i i have a few ideas to, to on on books i'd like to write every time i talk to ghostwriters and i i was so good at in english that i had to stand outside the classroom but um uh also i was very good at school so i had lots of schools pitching for my business so i had to go to quite a few of them 
Um, so I would get a ghostwriter to do it because I, I don't have the um, I don't have the concentration or the time to sit down and write a book. But yeah, I mean, I could do a biography at some point, maybe. I don't know how many, how many people would be interested in it. I thought that, don't you have to become stinkingly rich and really have nothing to do to write a book? I thought <laughs> that's how it works. Then you self-publish on Amazon. Um, no. uh, I, I have a book in mind, you know, one of, there's been um, of late a lot of competition in the business that I'm in, and um, there's an interesting book to write there. Okay, well, I think if you ever do get around to writing your biography or your autobiography, I'm going to be in the queue to pick up my first copy and hope oh, you'll find it for me. You're blowing too much smoke at me, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I love that, blowing too much smoke. What an image. Um, look, let's talk about you and your business. It's funny, we have an analogy. My business partner has an analogy where we sometimes walk out of meetings where someone's given us so much BS. I say to him, how did you find that? He said to me, he said, there was so much smoke in the room, I couldn't find the mirrors. <laughs> I like it. I'm going to use that, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. Do you mind? Yeah, no, I mean, look, I jest, but, you know, to be serious for a moment, um, you know, you ask about failure and success. Um, I, I, I've had abject failures, mm. and, you know, and I've been skinned and I've owed millions of pounds. I had, I had one big business failure where I ended up owing about 1.5 million after it um, and, and I've had um, absolute sweet success and uh, I know it's a cliche but the trick is to be resourceful um, and to it, it, I'd go further than say never give up it, it's, it's, it's not never give up it's never stop thinking ne don't let your failure drop you into a hole and my next bit of advice would be don't leave a trail of destruction behind you. So I know a lot of people who are feel that they have to kill people to be successful and they have a, a wake of destruction behind them. If they were a cruise ship, the throth coming out the back's massive. So I know a lot of people who never deal with the same person again because they've, you know, they've screwed them or something along the way. Hmm. And I've always kept intact all of my successes and failures. Whether, so some of my greatest friends, and I've got one great friend, uh, two great friends actually and we actually had some real big business failures together but we didn't kill each other over it we just dealt with it as best we could and moved on and i've gone back to those people since and with one guy i have a contract which is worth over a million a year um and we're great friends um he's a bit wealthier than me uh, I, he'll remain nameless but he's he bought an apartment on that cruise ship the world wow i went on recently that that, that that's another story um and then another one of them who um you know, I, I have another contract with that company. Um, this is in one of my other businesses that's worth about 1.6, 1.7 million a year. And and these are things that I could have fallen them out with over. So my other success, you know, tip would be, you know, don't burn bridges behind you because you never know what's coming. And, you know, one, one minute you're riding the wave and then the next minute you're in the gutter and you never know. So, you know, be 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 humble and, and, and have some humility with people. And it, and, and it worked for me. Very, very wise words indeed. And I'm, I'm told that um, for you, culture is important. Um, in fact, one of the things that defines you as a leader is the culture that you've created in your organisations. I spoke to a friend a few days ago, telling him I'm going to have a chat, to, a chat with you. And he said that one of the things that makes you stand out is that you actively encourage an open and entrepreneurial culture in the businesses that you run. Why is this so important to you? Because the business may look like it's a spreadsheet, balance sheet and some cash in the bank. What it actually is, is, is flesh and blood and feelings and emotions in your staff. And if they're dejected, guess what the business gets? Dejection. And everyone has the, has the ability to be a champion at something. And as a leader, your responsibility is to help and nurture those people to find what they are a champion in. And you will not get there by clipping their wings, putting them in pigeonholes and telling them it can't be done or it won't be done. So if you encourage people that there isn't a blame mentality and if they put their head above the parapet and come up with an idea, it's not going to get shot down. And, and if they're wrong, there isn't going to be blame. People start to think and when people think things happen and when things happen, you have success and you have failure, 
but failure you just learn from and you only you know enjoy your successes so by getting people to be empowered and have the especially in a live you know I'll give you an example here we're live 18 hours a day so we, we we are live for two channels 18 hours a day and i can tell you even in the bbc they or, or even channel five or itv they have like two programs that are live a day the news and maybe um a, a topical program during the day on the weekend maybe you have x factor we're live all the time to sustain that it requires a phenomenal amount of energy and if your people are dejected or don't feel they're getting anywhere or no one's listening then the business doesn't get the energy so the, the culture means people not being afraid and, and it not being one great big long blame game you go into most big multinationals and corporates and the senior management employ people that are less bright than them so as they're not a threat to them they build a brick wall around their job and then they dig in and that's why companies fail that's why kodak isn't here anymore kodak had the money to could, could have easily have put money into phones and had phones with with kodak cameras in or licensed kodak cameras in, into apple or something like that i'm just using this as an off the head example mm. but they're not here anymore and that's because their senior management weren't empowered and no one moved fast enough to to follow the trend and they're gone look at nokia they've now got one percent of the phone market they used to have 99. so i was gonna ask you how do your senior managers react when you tell them what you've just told me those people that want to live like that will be very attracted to you those that don't want to live like that will run from you and and so what i mean by that is frankly they either want to jump on and get with the program or they don't yeah i guess that makes a lot of sense it really does um i know in my introduction i mentioned um the future of tv shopping how it's experienced this resurgence and i think that people like you are probably the primary cause for this resurgence but how, in your words, do you explain this revival that TV shopping's experienced in 2019? So there's a few elements to this, and I'll, I'll try and explain it as succinctly as I can. But what we do is no different to what people have done in market stalls for hundreds of thousands of years. The way cavemen would have sold wares and, and you know, in, in when the barter system before money. And, and that is... If, if you have a product, it needs to be demonstrated. If you demonstrate it, people know what it does. If they know what it does and they like it, they buy it. We do that on a national and international level. Historically, TV shopping, um, when, when there was only you know a few channels on TV, say at the beginning of satellite, um, there were more viewers for it. And so the, it, it, it did appeal to an older audience, still does, on the craft side and on, on idle shopping, sort of more you know, post 50 years old. And then because of the proliferation of media, people no longer surf channels. They just go to a menu and pick what they want. And people don't wake up and go, I know, I want to go to a shopping channel and be demonstrated and sold to with loads of products. Even though people absolutely really enjoy it and it's enjoyable to watch products like that, you don't have to buy them all, but people go, well, that was informative. Um, craft is different in that craft, um, crafters um, want to watch all the time because it's engagement and they want to watch other people's techniques and they get inspiration from that. And so cra cra crafting has a much bigger, um, say, re repeat order than, say, for instance, Ideal World. But... What we're really good at is demonstrating products via video. So the way that we're doing the resurgence is that we're taking what we're brilliant at. Remember what I said earlier, remember what you're brilliant at. It, it also applies to businesses. And you take the, the core of what you're good at and you transfer it to the web. So without sort of giving all my little secrets away, that's what we're doing. And so we're now finding younger customers because they still want to have the product demoed. They just want it done on a different platform, in a different way, in a different style. So the world hasn't, there's certain things in the world that won't change. It's just the way we do it. You know, we're all going to buy food, we all have to eat. But the way we buy food and the way we eat has changed, you know. You know, so where, whereas people were eating baked beans on toast, they're now ordering it from Deliveroo and they're having crushed avocado on toast. The principle is the same, just the just the the, the, the fashion changes. And I, I was just thinking that with this resurgence, um, on the one hand, we're also faced with a great deal of uncertainty in the UK in particular. On the other hand, and of course I'm referring to that, that B word, um, 
I know that you've got some views on Brexit um, that I, I'm really, really interested to find out more about. What, what impact do you think Brexit will have on British business, not just on TV shopping, but British business as a whole? And I'm talking about with or without the deal. What's going to happen, Jamie? The million dollar question. Here is my vision of what's going to happen. Um, if it's a hard Brexit, I mean, I'm not going to go into the exact stuff that's going on today because obviously it's going to be a moving feast over the weekend. But, um, okay, so if, if we have a hard Brexit, um, all, all a hard Brexit means, which is obviously the way it's been posed, is that instead of no deal, we have to do about 125 deals. Switzerland has 117 deals with the EU and has five countries bordering it. Um, and gets on absolutely fine. And they, and they the, the Swiss referendum, for example, was 50.1% versus 50.9%. So it was even closer. They had an in-out referendum in 1992. We already deal with the rest of the world under WTO rules. So we import more stuff from China than we do from the EU um, by, by about 80% more, all under WTO. So it's a complete fallacy that if we go to WTO with Europe, it would be a problem. In fact, our balance of payments would be much better off. Uh, and it's a much, much bigger risk to them than it is to us. I'll put it to you simply. If if you lived in a house with 28 people and only three people paid the gas and electric and the rent, there might be a bit of a problem in that house. And that's effectively what's happened with the EU in that it started as a very sensible trading block because before the internet, lorries had to pass borders and there had to be a uniform way to make trade happen um, when things were paper and, and analogue telephones. And it's obviously grown into what it is today, which is, you know, a, 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 an unelected, much bigger organisation. And I'm sure it does some things that are, that, that are good. But my, 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 my fundamental issue with the EU is, um, and, you know, th and this is my view, not, not, not the company's, is... They have not been able to, to go through an audit with Deloitte or KPMG or a, a large accountancy firm for 23 years. And the first thing in any business before you do a lot of business with someone, and we, we have we, you know, we have companies with millions of pounds of the business here, is they have to be audited and they have to be a solid organisation for you to send them the money. So if you've got an organisation that cannot pass an audit and that no one will audit them, which suggests corruption, it suggests money going missing, that's what that suggests. You cannot send them, let alone 39 billion divorce bill, you can't send them the 85 billion a year that we send them. So, so in principle, just on, on basic fiscal accounting, we shouldn't be in because the, 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 money, the, the money trail is not audited. Then you come to all the political side, but, but the bottom line is, it, it's we've been in the EU a relatively short space of time compared to how long Britain's been trading with the rest of the world. I don't think there'll be any disruption apart from a bit of housekeeping for the first 90 days. And then things will just change because human beings are the most adaptable um, creatures in the world. And we will just adapt. And I guarantee you, the moment BMW, Mercedes, VW, Bosch, Indesit, any of the big brands that have, load, that have containers and containers and containers of products coming to the UK, the moment they see a threat to that supply chain, they'll go straight to Angela Merkel, shoring up the EU, tell them to fall in line, and a deal will be done on that particular um, facet that, that needs to be done. So no deal doesn't mean no deal. What no deal means is we need 117 deals like Switzerland, and we'll negotiate every one. And that means that on some of those deals, we might not get as good a deal as we get because our strength in that area may not be as strong. It depends what it is. Um, and there'll be other areas where we're very strong and we'll get a fantastic deal. And, you know, look, there are lost generations in Spain. You go to Spain, the, the, the true unemployment rate's about 40%. They claim 25, but it's about 40. The true unemployment rate in France is about 28%. And, you know, you, you go and talk to EU citizens who are in it and talk to them what it was like before, what it was like after. And the final argument I'd put to you is very simple. If we weren't in the EU and I came to you and I said, Kizzy, right, we're going to join this great club, right? There's 28 members. Not, hardly any of them pay into it. They take out. But we're going to pay in about 85 million a year. We're going to scrap the pound. We're going to hand over the High Court and the, the Supreme Court and all of our lords to them. They're going to run that. Now, they're not elected. You're not going to know who's actually running it. 
but don't worry about that. And what we're also going to do is we're going to get them to control all of our imports and we're going to hand over all of our um, international waters that we fish into them. And we're going to let them choose how much we can fish in them. And we're going to let them control our speed limits. We're going to let them control our food. And we're going to let them control um, all, all, all different aspects of our um, of our judiciary. Isn't that a good idea, Kizzy? Should we, should we go and do that? <laughs> I think I might tell you where to go, mate. Well, you know, so look, don't get me wrong. Um, I'd actually rather stay in than do Theresa May's deal because it's it's actually a lot worse. So I'd rather have a seat at the table and pay them the money and influence it. But look, no deal doesn't mean no deal. It means 117 individual deals. Um, that so I, I I am not I'm not even remotely worried about it. And I'm pretty sure at this stage, um, one way or another, we will be going out. Um, it's just going to be a case of, of whether we go have to do it after a general election or before. Well, as you say, it's, it, it is a moving feast, uh, but hopefully you're right and we'll adapt to the change in the economic climate and we'll get back to business as usual. Maybe the country... Let me, let me, let me talk about economic climate. If I was Prime Minister, it's very simple. <laughs> very, very simple. Europe's tax laws, you know, so you're only... They control our rate of corporation tax, for example. So we are not allowed at the moment to cut corporation tax to, say, 10% and make and make London more attractive than Paris or Frankfurt or, or Milan or somewhere like that. We're not allowed to do it. We have to be within a range, and the range is between sort of 15 and 24%. Um, if we're out, you know... It, Go up to London and look at what's going on. All the Greek money is here. All the Chinese money is here. The French moved their money here year before last because they had their own issues. The Italian money is here. And a lot of German money is here. Because, you know, in Germany, the property market doesn't go up and down like it does here. So the people have moved money out to invest here. The money's already here. All we have to do is make ourselves either like the Monaco or Dubai of Europe... And we'll, we'll be far more competitive than all the other countries. The reason they don't want us to go is it's a disaster for them. You know, the second biggest member of the club leaves. It's a disaster for the EU, and that's why they're making it so very, very difficult. Yes, so you're right, and uh, we'll, well, we'll, we'll know uh, more as the dust clears over the next couple of weeks. But hold that thought. We're going to just take a quick music break and come back to our conversation in a few minutes. Uh, this week's incredibly talented entrepreneur, this week's boss star, is Suzanne Noble from the UK. Now, during the day, Suzanne runs Advantages of Age, a brilliant social enterprise which helps over 50s discover new pathways to employment. But at night, however, at night, everything changes. Suzanne transforms into one of the most talented singers we've ever showcased on Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Suzanne sings dirty blues and jazz from the 20s and 30s and boy does she sing it well here she is Suzanne Noble performing My Handyman said a good man was hard to find absolutely positively sure was blind i've got the best that ever was here's just some of the things he does he shakes my ashes greases my griddle churns my butter strokes my fiddle my man is such a handy man He threads my needle Creams my wheat Heats my heater He chops my meat My man Is such a handy man Don't care if you believe or not he sure is good to have around When my furnace gets too hot He's right there to cool my damper down For everything he's got a scheme You ought to see the new starter he puts on my machine My man is such a handyman 
cleans off the table. He feeds the horses in my stable. You can't get away from it. He's such a handyman. He really is God's gift, you know. I'm Kenneth Hafianyo, the founder of Jogwefa, an ethical fashion brand based in Ho, Volta Region, Ghana. My Friday is never the same without Kizzy's Friday Game Changes. Sometimes he's up long before dawn, busy trimming the rough edges of my lawn. Oh, you gotta love it. He's such a handyman. Never has a single thing to say when he's working hard. You really ought to see the way he handles my front yard. My ice doesn't get a chance to melt away. He sees that I get a fresh... I'm Asara Lay, Chief Explorer at Cat Explorer, and I love listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changes. Is such a handyman. Hi, Karen. I hardly recognise you in this shiny new sports car. When did you pick it up? Hi, Louise. Yes, it's me. I picked up this beauty just last week. Do you remember that decade's top 10 finance specialist I put myself up for a few months ago? Yes, I do. Why? Well, I was nominated in the final top ten. Really? Yes, I couldn't believe it either. But the amazing thing was, after I was nominated as one of the decade's top ten finance specialists, everything just seemed to happen. I landed a huge five-year consultancy contract, I was being interviewed on radio and TV, we moved to that new office complex on the harbour, and just a few weeks ago, I made enough money to put a down payment on this lovely sports convertible. In my favourite colour, of course, red. Well done, you. I was thinking, about that decade's top ten finance specialist showcase. Yes. Well, I was thinking perhaps I'll enter myself this year. You never know. Have you got their contact details? Um, well, I think they're having the awards this year. But the thing is, I think they're full. Or the deadline's passed. Anyway, I can't remember where I put their contact details. I'll have a look and send you a postcard from Hawaii. Did I mention we're going to Hawaii this year? Anyway, I'll be in touch. Love you. You've already done so much. Don't be left out. Nominate yourself, a colleague or a client, for the decade's top 10 finance specialists 2019. An award could just change your life. Email hellomoneyandfinance at outlook.com or visit www.moneyandfinancemagazine.com. An award could just change your life. The world famous Game Changers Show. Game Changers Show. Game Changers Show. Welcome back. Before the break, you listen to Suzanne Noble of Advantages of Age performing My Handyman. I'm in the studio talking to Jamie Martin, CEO of Ideal Shopping Direct. Jamie, we're at that part of the show we call past, present, and future. Now, what this means is that I'm going to ask you three questions about your business past, your business present, and your business future. And if we manage to get this right, the answers will give us a unique insight into that swirling maelstrom that we call Jamie Martin. Are you up for a game? Let's go for it. Excellent. Now, look, now look. I've got to warn you, you, you've got to imagine you can hear a clock ticking in the background. Now, that's the sound of time passing by second after second. Um, let's start with the past. Imagine yourself traveling back in time to meet the young Jamie Martin just starting out on his entrepreneurial journey. What one thing would you tell Jamie to make sure he does, based on everything you've learned in the interim period, what one thing would you tell Jamie to make sure he does, and what one thing would you tend to make sure he doesn't do? I'd tell him to uh, plan out his businesses a bit more carefully and to act a bit quicker um, and to up his work rate. Uh, and I would tell him um, not to lose his temper and, uh, and scream at people. Very wise words. So is that something you've had to learn the hard way, I gather? Yeah, I mean, you know, you, 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 as you grow up, you learn how to uh, measure your responses. We've all been there. Um, let's, let's talk about the present. 
Jamie, Jamie, my old friend, what, what one achievement are you most proud of? Oh, dear. Uh, I, I'm one of these people that nothing's good enough. So if you ask my best friend, he would say, you did this, you did that, you did this, you did that. I don't kind of sit there and count them. Um, I, I suppose I, 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 I'm, I am proud of quite a few things. Um, in business, though, most recently... Um, we have upgraded all the studios here um, from SD, which they've been for a long time, and um, to HD. And and bringing that whole project together, uh, I'm, I'm very, very proud of. Um, I was very proud, uh, previous company I worked for, Hochanda, uh, I was very proud in that business, in that the hard work that I put in and the hard work that the uh, senior management at the time put in grew the business in, in the most unbelievably fast way. Um, and we did zero to 20 million turnover literally in 20, well, in 24 months. And uh, I was very, very proud of that at the time. That that was an amazing achievement. And and the things that we had to do to do that in such a short space of time was uh, was quite remarkable. So I look back at that and think that that was an amazing time. Do you think of yourself as being something of a perfectionist? Um, I, I strive for perfection. But once the once all of the key indicators are at seventy five percent good, I will hit. I will lick the stamp and post it. Um, and I will because uh, what I've learned is you're you're better off to have lots and lots of projects and lots of horses in the race heading towards a, a, a kind of ultimate goal than to be one of these people that everything has to be perfect before you say yes. Otherwise, you just lose time and you don't get anything done. And, of, and often, uh, by by engaging with whatever the project is you're going to engage with, you will very quickly learn the last 25% that you didn't have at the beginning. And as long as that isn't an expensive mistake, it's okay. Don't mind me, I'm just taking some notes as you're, as you're talking to me. Um, so my mate Jamie says, strive for perfection, but once you get to 75% good, lick yeah, the stamp. I, no, I'll, I'll put it another way. Go on. The, the only difference between a winner and a loser, if you want to put it as bluntly as that, or let's say those that are successful and those that are not. It's very simple. The guy who's successful fired 8,000 bullets to hit one target. The guy who was unsuccessful fired one bullet. So it's not about how intelligent you are, what you know, or, or how you know it, or what you do, or, or how many degrees you have. It's basically about if I can put out more output and I can do more stuff than the next guy, you'll simply be more successful because you have more horses in the race. And because you put more output out, you learn more. So by default, you become better. In, you know, unless you're a complete buffoon and you don't learn by your mistakes, but that's another story. So if I do more than you to achieve the goal, I will probably achieve it before you and be better. You know, sportsmen do that. You know, you go and take take Nico Rosberg in 2016. He, he beat Lewis Hamilton, right? And he beat him. And what he'll go and admit is he, he beat him on a few nuances, but he was going to go-kart tracks all over the place just, just to keep his senses going because there's such a long time between F1 races. And he just did more in that year. Yeah, he had a bit of luck. And that's how he beat, you know, arguably a better driver. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Um, the more you do, the more chance you have of being successful. And it doesn't have to be perfect to, to get it done, really, does it? Yeah, no, there is that. I mean, and also, you, you do need a very competent team. You can't do it all, all, all yourself. So, um, you, you know, I, I try and... You know, with my immediate direct reports, I try and put brilliant people around me because then you can move quicker. Okay, all right. I'm going to make a note of that. But see, as I say, we're here for a good time, not a long time. So I don't want to waste my time trying to perfect one project. I'll, I'll give you another example. On The Apprentice, mm. um, it's really funny. You get the team that go off and they've got five hours to do a project. They spend four hours deciding on the name and the logo and one hour on the business. And then the other team go off and they spend... 10 minutes on the name of the logo and four hours and 50 minutes on the business. And then you wonder why they're more successful than the other team. Yeah. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Um, you've navigated your way through the past and the present with effortless ease. So let's, let's turn it up a bit and go 
let's go ahead. Let's travel 100 years into the future. Now, I suspect that you and I may not be around them, but with all the energy you've got, you, you probably will be. Um, what, what would you like your legacy to be, Jamie? What would you like to be remembered for? Uh, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, uh, you've got business and family, so I'll just talk about the business side. Um, I mean, I suppose, no, actually, I'll talk about the family side. I think on, on family, I'd like to be remembered uh, as, 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 you know, I'd like my kids to, to think that I gave them good advice and I, I left them with a solid footing so they can make their own decisions. Um, in, in business, uh, I, I'd, I'd just like people to, uh, to, 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 to have made money from from things that we've done together and to say oh i miss that guy you know he was really great and do you remember these times do you remember those times and um i suppose what what i tr you know the future and the present and, and the now are actually the same when people say oh those were the days i try and make today that was the day and i you know i'm in the middle of things right now that are we will look back on i think they're wonderful but but the way that you make your future as great as the those those were the days comments is just to push your comfort zone and to be constantly pushing into new territory you haven't been in before and that is how you feel alive because when you look back and you say oh those were the days what your notice is if you go and dissect the jamie from the past you were living without limits you were taking risks you had few worries and you were loose and if you think about the human mind Obviously, the human mind, we're designed like a bicycle. If we're not headed towards something, we lose our equilibrium and we fall over. And in business, it's the same. You have to be headed towards something, otherwise you lose your equilibrium and you fall over. And provided you can keep those set of circumstances going, that you're pushing the limits, you're, you're doing new things, you're not inhibited, you're not scared, you're not worried, um, then effectively you create you you control your own future and that that's how i like to live so so i will take things that people think are impossible and work them out and put them into a plan and that's how you can really enjoy the future because you create it so you're not afraid of it because you created it unfortunately here's how people normally live and i'll just take your question put it another way most people live like this they stand straddled over a line and that line is the line, the difference between yesterday and the future. And here's how they, 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 they live it. They spend most of their time worried about the past, all the terrible things that may or may not have happened. And they step with one foot. And then the other half of them is looking into the future, worried about all the terrible things that may or may not happen. And when you live like that, you have no power. And when you have no power, it's very hard to be successful or to sustain any, le any level of success because people pick up on it and they don't believe in you. So if you're trying to be an entrepreneur, that it doesn't actually matter so much about your product or service. What matters is you and do people buy you? And that's the difference between the winner and the loser, whether people buy you or not. So if people buy you and they want to work with you, your, generally your product or your service will evolve to be successful but people don't see that because they can't get over themselves they can't see that people um want to feel good about them and about who they're dealing with not necessarily about the product or the service jamie you, you sound you sound so different from what i was expecting i, I knew you were going to be sharp i knew you were going to be really smart that's that was a given but you're you're wise. Uh, I'm as you're talking to me. I'm thinking. I've got very grey. I've got very grey hair. No, you haven't. No, you I've haven't. Just have a go at me because I, I went through a stage where I used to dye my hair. Um, and I and I've written off. Trust me, I've written off some hotel bathrooms with uh, back men, the men back to black stuff all over the place. Um, and now I leave it grey, and uh, and and that that that's what I think is coming through. But j just on that, I have a saying which I think if, if, if people stick to this, then they won't go too far wrong. And, and here is my saying, it's this. It's commitment is doing the thing you said you would do long after the mood you set it in has left you. Just think about that for a moment. Commitment's doing the thing you said you would do long after the mood you set in has left you. Now, how many people can you pinpoint who say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, only to find that they never did it we can name loads of people like that right so if you're not going to do it don't speak it because people remember this stuff 
And, and that's how you get successful. You have to activate your environment. And guess where it starts? It starts with you. You know, you, you know you, everyone says, I want to be in business with John. Why? John keeps his word. What does that mean? Well, he said he's going to do it. He did it. Everyone wants to be in, the, in business with those people. No one wants to be in business with some untrustworthy soul, do they? So if you keep your word and you, and you keep alignment with your goals to your commitment, people will feed off that. And so when people talk about activating their environment and all this mumbo jumbo, all they really mean is how do people feel around you? How do people judge you? Do people trust you? And that's really where it begins. And then, and then you align it with products and services. You go out and you, you, know, you pitch your stuff. But people ultimately are doing business with you. So, you know, I didn't do a lot of school. I didn't get a degree or any, anything like that. Um, as, as I said, a lot of schools pitching for my business. So I, I had to go to quite a few different schools. Um, I, I think you know what I mean when I say that. Mm. Um, and, you know, for me, it, it was just being true to oneself. And then eventually you turn up like I have, you know, I'm CEO of this business. It turns over 170 million a year with the fifth largest employer in Peterborough. But I'm still me. I'm not much different from that guy who knocked on people's doors when I was 13 and said, can I clean your car, please? Because I meant it. You know, I cleaned their car properly. That's why they had me back. You know, they, I kept coming back. So I, I, I just think that you just have to be true to your, to your morals. On that, I, I do get people pitch me startups. And I do see a lot of businesses that, that, that are going to be startups that are either brilliant or useless. And I do often say to people, look, just don't do that. It's not going to work. Um, and I, I, you've probably heard this before, but you do need to fail fast. So don't spend your life whipping a dead horse. Try something. If it's not going to work, don't do it. The quickest way to find out if your business plan is going to work is I would strongly, strongly recommend getting a professional business plan writer to write your business plan with you. And often during that process, you'll either go, God, this isn't going to work. Or you'll go, oh, my God, we've got something amazing. Few people do that or plan it. So I'm just writing all this down because I know that I'm going to have to remember this at some point. Um, this idea of being true to your words and maintaining a level of, I, I've called it personal integrity with yourself. Is that, is that the same sort of thing, do you think? Yeah, it is, yeah. And and, and so people that know you would, would automatically know what you would or wouldn't do. And I think I think that having integrity um, and you know, remembering what you said to people six months ago. You know, I mean, I have lots of people come to me and go, you remember, you, you promised me this. And, and often I did, and it, and it may not suit me to uh, honour that promise six months later, but I will anyway, because I said it. Excellent. Um, I've got tons and tons of questions to ask you, but I know we're fast running out of time. Jamie, um, I would like to stay in touch with you and perhaps touch base with you again and maybe in another six months or so we can find out what you're doing over there and perhaps we could spend some more time and talk about your vision of the future and maybe even find out whether you started writing your book or not. What do you reckon? A couple of months' time? Of course, come back. It's no, no, no problem at all. Excellent. Thank you so much. Well, Jamie's incredibly inspiring story reinforces my belief that we all do have dreams, but in order to make your dreams come true, it takes an awful lot of determination, um, personal integrity, self-discipline and effort. Now, whatever you do, according to Jamie, you've got to do it with integrity and determination. You've got one life to live. Do your work with passion and give it your best. Whether you, whether you want to be a, a chef, a doctor, an actor, or a CEO of a TV shopping channel, be passionate to get the best result. Jamie did it, and I know you will too. Listen, learn, and innovate. Playing us out of the track called Rancho de la Luna by Salty Lips. Now, Salty Lips are Francisca Iselli and Crystal Hall. Boy, I hope I pronounced that right. And they're the founders of BasicBananas.com, Australia's largest marketing education organization with workshops across the globe. But when Francisca and Crystal aren't conquering the world, they're on stage, thrilling audiences around the world with their group, Salty Lips. Let's have a listen to Rancho de la Luna by Salty Lips. See you next week.
California. David said, come over to Joshua Tree to the monsters. Oh, damn.